0: to the gospel of Luke chapter 20, I want to look at a passage of scripture that people don't often study, but in Luke chapter 20, beginning with verse 27, then came to him certain of the Sadducees, which denied that there is any resurrection, and they asked him, Master? Master? Moses wrote unto us, If any man's brother die having a wife, and he die without children, that his brother should take his wife and raise up seed unto his brother. There were therefore seven brethren, and the first took a wife and died without children. The second took her to wife, and he died childless. The third took her, and in like manner the seven also, and they left no children and died. Last of all... The woman died also therefore in the resurrection whose wife of them is she for seven had her to wife Jesus answering said unto them the children of this world marry and are given in marriage but they which shall be accounted worthy to obtain that world and the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage neither can they die anymore for they are equal unto angels and are the children of God being the children of the resurrection. Now that the dead are raised, even Moses showed at the bush when he called the Lord the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. For he is not a God of the dead, but of the living, for all live unto him. Now this same story is in Matthew, and Matthew gives a few more pieces of information. In fact, when they give the Lord this hypothetical situation, Jesus essentially says, to them you do err, and you don't know the power of the scriptures. So as we look into this, I, I just want to just call this, you know, a future we can believe in. At first I thought about maybe something like seven brides for seven brothers or something. But uh, a future that you can, you can believe in. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, thank you for another opportunity to fellowship. It's always good to conclude a day in your word listening and hearing your voice through the scriptures. Speak to all of our hearts this evening in Jesus' name, amen. Now on the face of it, this is a story that has what we might consider some disturbing elements to it. Even allowing for the cultural differences, you've got seven deaths, seven funerals, uh, childless uh, marriage, one after another. And everybody seems to be passing away. So it's not an easy thing to consider. And the issue of not having children in ancient times certainly would have been difficult. Especially when they weren't able to determine who the cause was or what the root problem was. But in verse 27, the scripture is telling us about the approach of the Sadducees. This is the one instance in the Gospels where Jesus interacts with the Sadducees particularly on other occasions they're there in this particular chapter, several different groups were trying to talk to Jesus and trying to trap him in their words or in his words. nevertheless, Jesus was able we got one right over here right over here. nevertheless, Jesus was able to basically. Caused them to be tripped up in their own conversation as they tried to trap him. But the Sadducees were different people in this way. They believed in the first five books of Moses. They put less confidence in everything from Joshua on, and they didn't believe at all in the tradition of the elders. We're in Luke chapter 20, verses 27 and the following verses. So the Sadducees denied that there was anything supernatural or spiritual at all. We know that because even Paul, when he was speaking to some folks in Acts chapter 23, he discerned that in the midst of that little crowd there, that there were some Sadducees. And so he said, I am being called on the carpet because of my belief in the resurrection. And in Acts 23, verse 8, he says, For the Sadducees say there is no resurrection, neither angel nor spirit, but the Pharisees confess both. So the Sadducees deny the supernatural. They're asking Jesus about a future life they don't believe in. They're asking him about an afterlife that they don't believe in. And they're thinking that they can trick him. Now it's it's interesting that the Sadducees of course had powerful positions and they essentially controlled the temple but they denied the inspiration of scripture holy spirit again that there were angels any kind of messengers from god to to have anyone that's in the clergy that doesn't believe in these things that would make it dangerous why would anybody want to listen to a preacher who didn't believe that the book was inspired or that God did supernatural things. What would be the point of it all? But this is how the Sadducees were. This is how many preachers remain today. This book is just a history book, but it's not a book you can trust in to believe that God's going to do anything for you today. Why waste your time praying? Because after all, the Spirit of God can't do anything because there is no Spirit of God. When the Bible says the angel of the Lord encampeth about those that fear him, the Sadducees says there were no angels. There are plenty of people like that today. Well, the resurrection in verse 27 is important because every gospel concludes with a testimony that Jesus was raised from the dead. And going all the way back to the Old Testament, even Abraham believed in the resurrection. He had made it a point that he was taking his boy to the top of a hill and if he needed to, he's going to sacrifice them. But he made it very plain. It says in Hebrews 11, he believed that God could raise him from the dead. So we know going back that far, at least, he believed in the resurrection. For us, the resurrection is important because without it, the scripture says we can't be saved. Our faith would be in vain. And if anyone ever says to you, well, I'm a Christian, but I don't know if Jesus was raised from the dead. Well, you may go to church you may have converted to a particular religious system, but according to Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, you're not a Christian. You can't be like Christ and not believe Christ is raised from the dead. You can't be a Christian and not accept the basic Christian principles. And wanting to trick Jesus, they used Moses. Now again, they believed in the first five books of the Bible and Moses was the most important historical figure for the Jewish people. And They give him this scenario. A wife is married to a brother. The brother died. And according to the law, Moses said the brother has to take up the marriage in order to raise up seed to preserve all of the property and real estate so that it will remain in the family and in the tribe. And in so doing, he builds a house. Now, what law then is it in the scripture that compels a brother to do this. If you turn to Deuteronomy 25, I'll read a few verses. That's the fifth book of the Old Testament. You ought to find this interesting. Deuteronomy 25, beginning with verse five. If brethren dwell together, and one of them die and have no child, the wife of the dead shall not marry outside unto a stranger her husband's brother shall go in unto her and take her to him to wife and perform the duty of a husband's brother unto her. And it shall be that the firstborn which she bears shall succeed in the name of his brother which is dead. Here's why. That his name be not put out of Israel. God was interested in preserving the name and preserving the tribe. And if the man doesn't want his brother's wife, then his brother's wife will go up to the gate of the elders and say, my husband's brother refuses to raise up his brother's name in Israel, and he will not perform the duty of my husband, husband's brother. Then the elders of the city shall call him and say, is this so? I'm paraphrasing. In verse nine, then shall the brother's wife come in the presence of the elders and take his shoe off of his foot and spit in his face and shall say, so shall it be done unto the man that will not build up his brother's house. Can you see how serious this was? In ancient times, the property that was in a family, God wanted it to stay there. The name was so important that God wanted to see that name continue to every generation. And in the scenario presented to Jesus, seven brothers married one woman. Now you've really got to think about that because in order to fulfill that particular passage, you have to believe God's Word is true. Because if you're the brother, why in the world would you go through that if you didn't believe in the Bible? And if you're the wife, why would you submit to that if you didn't believe in God's Word? Seven husbands, that's seven weddings, seven marriages, seven funerals, seven trips to the graveyard, and I don't doubt that every time she buried somebody, a part of her died. But what would that have been like to have to marry your husband's brother? I think about my, my wife. There's just no way on this earth I can imagine her marrying my brothers, see? And um, there wouldn't be a smile on her face at all. And I'm sure even if somebody said, look, the good book says I've got to have you. And Tiff would have just probably rebelled against a good book. But in ancient times, they were very interested in raising up a name. And so the first brother without a child dies, the second brother without a child dies. That's seven different men, seven different temperaments, seven personalities, seven different types of affections and appetites. And that woman just seems like she went from the arms of one into another. The broken lady. But people went through all of that in this scenario because of God's word. See, how important is God's word in your life? And would you put God's word first, even if you preferred to do something else? And is God's word more important to you than your personal preferences and your own personal will? Can you really say like Jesus, Lord, not my will, but thy will? See, the will of God will put you in situations that aren't easy. And you have to confront issues that you don't want to pass through. But nevertheless, if God's word is the foundation of your life, you have to build your life upon that. Seven brothers... One woman. So the Sadducees said to Jesus, when this thing is all over and we get to the other side, that other world that we don't believe in. Who is she going to belong to? Because in in their mind, she's still going to be married to somebody. She's going to be somebody's possession. But Jesus told the Sadducees two things. Number one, you're in error. Number two, you don't understand the power of God in the scriptures. And this is where a lot of our confusion comes from. I'm just quoting from the Matthew uh, segment of this story. But this is where the confusion comes from. Uh, People who think they know the Bible often don't know the Bible. And because we don't know the Bible, we misconstrue what the Bible is teaching. And when we can't get it in our minds correctly, then we come up with situations that aren't true. I've sat through a lot of funerals and listened to people say, well, he or she's with the angels now. He's got his wings. I said, really? Okay. But I understand what they're saying. They're trying to say they went to heaven, but they just don't know anything about heaven. And they don't know anything about the qualifications of who gets into heaven. Well, the scripture continues here and says that the lady, of course, having passed away, Jesus said in verse 34 that marriage is a temporal thing for us in this world. What's the point of marriage? Multiplication of the family. Have an institution in which to rear the children. But it's an institution that's for this world and not for the other side. On the other side of your last breath, there won't be any married couples. None. And, And that means for us gentlemen, when we get to heaven... We won't have to run a vacuum cleaner anymore. (laughs) We won't be cooking anymore. See, all of that be faded somewhere in the past. The children of this world marrying are given in marriage. So now we learn something that humans do that angels don't do. And the scripture says in verse 36, one day we'll be like the angels. So there's no marriage in heaven. Angels don't marry. That's a disconcerting fact for a lot of people that read Genesis 6 and think the angels came down here and was marrying people and having gigantic babies and all of that kind of a thing. But here we are looking into what Jesus says here. But verse 35 says you have to be accounted worthy to obtain that world. That means you've got to qualify. Everybody doesn't go to heaven just because they say there is a heaven. And people who deny that there is a heaven, I doubt if they ever get anywhere near it. So what would then be some of the qualifications of making it to heaven since Jesus had so much to say about it? Well, if he tells us one day we'll sit down in the kingdom with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, then obviously Abraham, Isaac and Jacob still alive. That's what the Lord said. Well, if I want to make it to heaven, then of course, I want my name written down in the book of life. If I want my name written down in the book of life, I've got to do what the 70 did in the gospel of Luke when it says they followed Jesus. And this is how we get our name there. And the person who says there is no future is saying there is no hope. What's the point of living for God if we don't have a heaven? And if there is no judgment seat, then, of course, we can all just live, die and do whatever we want to do. But unlike the Jehovah's Witnesses who teach soul sleep, that your soul stays in the burying place where your body is uh, resting, you know, then you don't have anything to worry about. For the people who say that we cease to exist when we draw our last breath and the body turns back to dust and there's nothing more, that's contrary to everything that Jesus is saying because he says that on the other side there are angels. And he said we'll be transformed because we'll be just like them. The children of this world marry, but one day we will be the children of God with glorified bodies. And so in that case, you can see verse 36, the last sentence, we're called the children of the resurrection. Jesus is saying to the Sadducees, you folks don't believe in the very thing that is true. And in verse 37 He even uses Moses as an illustration. And he uses Moses because in verse 28, they're the ones that brought up Moses. And the Lord is saying Moses himself is an example to you that there is a resurrection. And they never saw it in the text. They never saw it as many times as they read it. Moses goes to a burning bush at the burning bush. God talks to him out of the fire. And he said, who are you? The God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And then he said, well, if I go, who do I tell him sent me? He said, I am that I am. Tell him that's who sent you. He said, what does that verse have to do with the resurrection? If the Lord acknowledges in verse 37 that he is, present tense, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he is saying Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are still alive. They're in heaven. They're on the other side. And if they're on the other side, there's a resurrection. And since we know that they are around, then we should believe in the resurrection also. Let's not forget that when Jesus was up on the mountain, the scripture tells us how Moses and Elijah were up there talking to him at his transfiguration. So we've got a future we can believe in. All of us in here that trust the king are going to be able to spend the next billion years with the Lord when we pass. But I wonder what happened to a lot of these Sadducees that deny this stuff. Can you really make it into heaven when all you've done was tell people all your life there is no heaven? Can you really make it into the embrace of our Lord and Savior when you've told everybody that his death on the cross wasn't atoning? That he wasn't genuinely raised from the dead? I don't think so. I don't think so at all. And... For people who believe in heaven, they also have to believe in hell. For people who deny there's a heaven, they're probably going to deny there's a hell. But there's a little phrase in Luke chapter 16 in that story of the rich man. And it says these little words, and in hell, he did lift up his eyes. So even Jesus acknowledges there's a hell. So here we have it. Verse 38, he's not the God of the dead, but the God of the living for all live unto him. For us who are here, and born again, we are eternal. We forget that sometimes. Human beings are the only ones give birth to something eternal. Insects don't do it. Mammals don't do it. But humans do it. Every baby conceived has an eternity. And I love the phrases that we run into in Matthew 1 and then also uh, moving along into uh, Matthew 2 where it talks about Mary, how she was with child. With child. That tells us what's on the inside of a lady when she's pregnant, a baby. We're not just talking about a, a blob of this or a blob of that or a mass of this or a mass of that. We're talking about something that is the creation of God. And the Bible says in Ecclesiastes, as you don't know the direction of the wind, what way it's going, nobody understands how God causes the bones to grow in a mother's womb. Who can explain that? That day after day, something is transpiring inside a woman. And bones are forming. Arteries and veins are coming together. Organs are being formed. And then someone wants to say that is not a baby. Our God knew exactly what he was doing when he made mankind. Yes, no doubt about it. And when you look at this scripture and think about this, don't get caught up in how many times uh, this lady had to marry and how many people had her. Get caught up in the fact that Jesus believed something the Sadducees didn't believe. Jesus knew what was on the other side. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. And I I look at this and I get excited when I think about the rewards all of us one day will receive. The Bible talks about in Peter an elder's crown. Speaks of in the book of James a crown of life that he shall give to all of us who endure to the end. There's opposition The devil is doing everything he can to cause you and me to backslide, to turn from God. He puts obstacles and challenges and tests and trials and tribulations in front of us. But the one thing he does not want us to do is listen to the voices of the Sadducees. Listen to what Jesus is saying, because he ultimately is the only one that matters. And when we get to the other side, uh, ladies and gentlemen, you won't have to worry about nuptials and marriage certificates and divorce any of that on the other side now some of you might think that just i don't know if that'll be a happy place if if i can't go visit my wife or if i can't go visit my husband i'm telling you the presence of god is going to satisfy you to such degree you won't even worry about that you won't even think about that although i although i am going to track tiffany down <laughs> Yeah, got a billion years to search for, so I'll be, I'll be looking for it. So if anybody has anybody seen Tiffany lately? Oh, brother Daryl, we, we, we're waiting to see if she made it. We're, ho- <laughs> <laughs> we're hoping she made it. <laughs> I'm searching, I'm searching, and whatever kind of house or mansion the Lord has provided, I'm knocking on the door. The scripture says he's gone away to prepare a place for us that where he is will be there also. I wouldn't be surprised if the place where we reside is tailored toward your like, your preferences, your desire. I have no idea, but wouldn't surprise me at all to think that there's a place where you got streets of gold. You don't need a son, no sickness. Nobody grows old To think of a place where there's no murmuring, no complaining, no need to sleep. Never a funeral at all, but a place of happiness and joy. I'm telling you, I'm ready to enjoy a place like that, you know. Yeah, ready to enjoy something just like that. But we thank God for uh, being able to fellowship. And that's just a good little passage to think about as we put our heads on the pillow tonight to know that we've got everything buttoned up tight. And if we were to draw our last breath, we'd be with the king. Amen. 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 No doubt about it. We'll be with the king. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for uh, this lesson out of the word. and God help each one of us to see that no matter how difficult we think obeying your word may be it still is a requirement for us to obey. So Father, help us to walk in love even when we don't feel like walking in love. Help us, oh God, to trust you even when we've got anxiety and frets and fears on every side. And Father, wherever the devil is trying to plant his feet around our, our souls, we pray you give us the strength, cause our faith to continue to grow as we hear the word of God and give us a firm foundation on which to stand. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen, 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 amen.